So now we're recording. Now we're actually recording in the thing. Yes, and I can say tell you on my side, I see recording yeah. and I see an uploading thingy. That problem was between the keyboard and the chair. Welcome to AB Testing Podcast, your modern testing podcast. Your hosts, Alan and Brent, will be here to guide you through topics on testing, leadership, agile, and anything else that comes to mind. Now, on with the show. Hey, everybody, we're back. This is AB Testing Podcast, or sometimes the AI Testing Podcast, lately more often the AI Testing Podcast, but we are coming to you from a new platform today because, because we have officially burned Zencaster to the ground. It's gone. So this it, week, it, Zencaster doesn't exist. It is dead to us. It has never existed. Any evidence to the other or to the and, contrary? And, is and false. the cool thing is, I can talk about Zencaster, and Zencaster's AI won't automatically uh, shoot my stuff. So, 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 we're using uh, Riverside FM. It's so far so good. Listeners won't be able to tell because it's just it recording is recording. All all the magic happens in the mastering as long as I get. Audio at the end. I think I'll be happy. Yeah, we'll see. I do think it's none of the things that we have accustomed to have occurred yet. Actually, the really cool thing was I Brent showed up and I could hear him and he could hear me right away, which has never ever happened with Zencaster. So we're off to a good start. I will let you know. I think it record either we're not recording, or we've been recording ever since I logged in, and I can just cut that part off. And I don't know if when we end, like what happens? Do we? Do, I what don't even know this? what happens. I don't know what happens. It's, it's, it's a whole new platform. What, what I really want to know is, here's a program. I, I have nothing, by the way, on my side that indicates that we're recording. Well, I have a little red, the, the tab in Chrome has a little red dot. Oh, it does. There is a red dot. I acknowledge that. That hold, does feel more recordish. I had some stuff to talk about. Nice. I don't know. But what, what's, what's new with you? Anything new and exciting? Uh, new, 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 new Halloween. That was new. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't dress up. We had oh, we had three trick or treaters. Oh, really? Yeah. Apparently, I figured out why because I had to, I had to drive someplace, uh, and there was a massive block party about four blocks away. Smoke machines, music. That's where the that's where it was happening. There was no reason to come to my house. Oh, really? How far away from you district are you? U district um, depends. One train stop would be two miles. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, one thing I have done uh, since we last talked, I went and saw a football game at Husky Stadium. I have never done that. It's a lot of fun. No, I found number one the Husky Stadium. We were up in the bleachers, and I don't know. I don't know if it's it. It was scary high and scary steep. I don't know if it's just me getting older, but I've, I've been up in like in the bleachers for T-Mobile Stadium, and it didn't bother me as nearly as much as being up in the bleachers on in Husky Stadium. I'm like, yeah, if I just trip and fall, I'm just going to roll. My fat ass is going to roly-poly down the stairs and just go over the, the, the barrier. That would, that would have been cool. That would have, that would have been on the news and everything. But it was fun for me. The uh, I'm a big fan of marching bands at the college level. Drumline is one of my favorite movies. You're such a weirdo. Yeah, it, 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 
if you have not seen it, it's a great movie. So, um, Brent, maybe you don't know this about me, but I did drum corps for about seven years. So I spent the entirety of my summer for like seven years straight uh, doing shows like that across the country. It's you, high school? Uh, outside of high school. So this was extracurricular. Okay, because I remember, I remember vaguely some story around uh, some some authority figure say, "Hey, Alan, uh, you're you're in the drum corps," uh, and you at that point in time knowing the square root of nothing, but then figuring it out because that's that's your sort of superpower. You, I've seen you do this a million times. You confidently look someone in the in the eyes and said, "Yes, that." thing that you don't know i know nothing about i just wanted yes to, I, just, I will get it done i just wanted to be away from my parents all summer and hang and hang out with people my age and do things i probably shouldn't be doing i've done so Fair enough anyway did you read my uh let's let's have a podcast so much to talk about and it's hard i so uh did you read my last blog post doesn't matter because i'm gonna talk about it um interesting thing happened because it, it ties into a story today that i want to uh go over with you so I got a comment on a blog post I wrote in 2012. Okay. And, and I, I had to go look at the blog post, and the blog post was the rise of the customer. And it was all about, in 2012, talking about how we could, it was basically you know, me fanboying Reese, and, and from 2012, talking about how only the customer can decide quality. Before we even decided that as a principle, I was talking about that. So it's interesting that came about, but not probably not surprising. So I wrote more about that. And honestly, I sat down to write a different post and I didn't like the one I was writing. So I wrote that one, just kind of whipped it out and got, you know, it's like the less effort I put into one of my weekly blog posts, the more people like it. So this was just blah, blah, blah. Here's, and just reiterating some thoughts. But what happened was, one of my old employees from way back when uh, contacted me, and they were um, they were at uh, Qualtrics and were laid off recently. But they said that post that's, that's what he said that's what I do now. I try and help people figure out what try and help software teams figure out what customers want. But what's that role called? It's, it's called a modern tester, of course, but uh, it's not. But I'm curious because you from the data science world and you are using customer data to understand customers more is, and so I have a question for you. So I feel like a lot of companies pay lip service to putting the customer first. They wave their arms and go, yeah, we care about the users. We do things we think we do things that we think will be really cool. There is not a single product or company head that I've ever talked to or observed that didn't say they cared about the customer. Right now, of course, the thing is, it's cheap to care. It's expensive to act. And, and so taking action uh, is, is kind of what I look for. You know, that could be, you can't boil the ocean, right? And I would say from a data science point of view, like I, one of my bigger value propositions uh, to, to my internal customers is that I'm, I help them uh, prioritize. Sorry, I, I was thinking while you were talking, then what is, 
I think I'm going to answer my own question. So his question was like, what is that role? Or is it the role in a good team is the role of everyone? The role of the one who's looking at the data and yeah, figuring well, just, out just making the role sure, that- making sure you're really customer focused and not fake customer focused. Like, how do you t- put it this way? What are some heuristics or measurements or things you would look at? Let's not talk about heuristics. Principle number five, only the customer is able to truly evaluate. I'm paraphrasing here, the, the quality of the product. What would tell you if a team was living that principle? Like, what are they doing? Is there some, is there, is it something everybody does or they have certain people doing certain roles? Like how is somebody, how would you know a team is following that principle? Uh, well, I don't, I'm trying to think through whether I have an answer to a question. I'm also trying to think through, does it generalize, right? If, if, um, if a team has a weekly Actually, I'll, I'll put it this way. If the, the, the PM in charge of the feature, the, and these are, all, these are all examples of the thing I'm questing for that would actually answer your question. If the feature PM in, involved, a uh, feature PM involved, ha, has produced their own Power BI that is tracking the performance of their feature, and it's not chock full of vanity metrics, I mean, uh, um, that's a great sign. If I can have a conversation with the PM and they can actually correctly define, actually not even a PM, anyone, correctly define the difference between a vanity metric and an actionable metric, that's a great sign. Um, other other angles, if uh, they come to me uh, and they're saying, hey, we had these hypotheses and this is, this is what we did to validate it, and this is what we think is the result. Uh, can you can you look over it and make sure we're okay? Right? It, it, seeing visibility of a more formal A-B testing, hypothesis testing type structure, uh, that's another great sign. Very similar to how the, this, for example, one guy I work with a lot at work right now, and what he does uh, now he's specifically focused on the PM org. Part of your conversation reminded me, like you talk, you started off talking about an old uh, old blog post. I was thinking about an old presentation. Um, do you remember the language you used to use around? Um, I, I'm not going to bother look at the the presentation right now, but essentially it was like data apathetic, data oblivious, data centric, data driven that. That thing, it was basically what it says is, and I forget the categories I finally landed on, but what it says is to what degree does leadership make decisions based off of intuition versus data? And as we see that, we should see it um, become ultimately sort of balanced, right? It's essentially people will still drive off of intuition, but they, they will not claim success until the data also validates that intuition because it's, it's more important to be right than to appear right. I have one, one guy I work with who's, who is doing that for our PM org. And honestly, it reminds me very much of, of um, 
I'm even forgetting the name of it. The big events you used to do for for tests, but he does it weekly. He basically, what he's trying to do is show examples of how to be uh, data driven, data oriented to others. Because, right, as we know uh, from orders of ignorance, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. I have a hunch, and I'm just going to pop this out here. I have a hunch we're not actually recording, but I'm recording on my backup at least, so that's good. So I, I was trying to figure out how I would know what's I saw going you, on. I saw you distracted and distant, so I figured... I was looking... I'm, I was figured... figured I, well, I, honestly, I figured something happened at work, um, but no, this is more disconcerting. I'm gonna, you know, we're recording either way. We're gonna see what happens. I'll figure it out. At least we, at least something's happening. Speaking of, speaking of work, let me tell you what I, I had a, a little time this afternoon right before our our uh, our podcast here. Oh, okay. Wait, wait, wait. Confirm that guest tracks are recording and uploading. Look for a red dot recording indicator in the corner of their video frame. Ah, crap. So I'm a guest. I think I'm a guest too. So here's what I'm going to do. So hold on. I'll be right back. Ah, shit. I'm back. I joined as a guest. I don't know how, but I did. But now that I'm a host, I have extra buttons. (laughs) So I'm going to go ahead. We have the beginning there. We're not going to lose that, but now we're going to record. Are you sure? Yeah. Now. Oh, because you have some secret thing. Now, oh, look, numbers. So now we're recording. Now we're actually recording in the thing. Yes, and I can say tell you on my side, I see recording yeah. and I see an uploading thingy. That problem was between the keyboard and the chair. But <laughs> I, I was able to fix it. With it. So this is going to be interesting. I, I will merge those two together. So what I'm curious in is... I will use my backup recording, which is going to have just your recording over, over USB on super track. So I'll use that and then I'll, I'll hook this in later. I'll switch over to this actually recorded track from Riverside later. I am curious. There may be a little bit of a difference on yours, but I'll let the listeners do. I'll, I'll master everything the same. So after I record quick little behind the scenes, behind the scenes, behind the music, not like on VH1, behind the scenes of sausage making behind the scenes of the AB testing podcast. So I do, comp- I do some compression. I do some EQ. I do some volume normalization, and then I cut out all the dumb stuff we say. So I'm trying to make the sound slightly smarter, which is basically impossible. Not because we're so smart because we're so dumb. And then uh, I put the, the, the front and the back on maybe some sound effects, depending on what we're doing. I maybe bleep some things out, maybe not. And then that gets published. So I will see after all that, if the beginning sounds different from the end, but I'm so excited. It's actually truly working now. I'm not going to be distracted anymore. So this afternoon, I don't talk much about the day job, but I'm going to abstract it out, but I can't say I programmed. I don't get to do that anymore, but I had a little, someone asked me a question and there is the answer was hard to give, not because the answer was hard to give. They, they wanted me to get a list of users from a certain enterprise application. So I can look at those users in the application, but I can't export them. I could, I could okay. do screenshots. 
So I thought, huh, this is, this is what we do. I thought, I wonder if there's an API. And there is. So I thought, well, I better give myself a little token. And I made an API call to get the list of things, which didn't give me the full list. So I had to jQuery the output of that API call, the JSON, so I could take a parameter and put it into another API call. But first I had to strip the quotes from it so I could call the other API to get the actual thing they wanted. But that's done and it works and it's convoluted. And it reminds me of all the cool things I used to do back in the day. Just little, little 15, 20 line shell scripts or batch fig. files to solve a problem uh, that probably has been solved 10 million times before. But I got to do it myself and it was fun. I should have used, used Copilot. You had the vague glimmer of the days when you were still using Exactly, exactly. That, that, that's, there's a lot to that. Up until, I'm definitely much more management overhead these days, but I always like to find the work that was important, but not critical or not time-bound. Uh, e- even Urgent. going back to teams uh, where I was a little more hands-on, I would pick up work for the team that didn't have it. It was important we do it. I'm not going to do unimportant work because no team should ever do that. I found things I could do that didn't really have a deadline or the deadline was so far off. If I got stuck and couldn't get to it, I, I would have time to pass it off to someone else to finish. So I kind of missed that. Like here's okay. the thing that's, it's important. We should have a way to do this. Should have a way to answer this question they asked me. There was no deadline on it. I told him it was hard. And I, actually I, I replied to him right away. It's, there's no way to export this. I'll, I'll look at the API and see if there's a way to do it. I could come back and say, no, nah, it's too hard, but it's done. So I, I, I got the answer they want, but I felt remotely useful. And your title is still VP, right? Yeah, well, that's that's my title. Yeah, I mean, it's fantastic. I mean, there's not very many VPs that I... Oh, there's like... I, I know of, and I know a lot of them. Microsoft have like 500? I remember once in the 90s, uh, I won't call any names out, but a very well-known senior developer uh, at Microsoft called out the fact that we had exactly 52 VPs at the time, one for each card in the deck. And I think he even had an opinion if we got two more, which ones would be the Joker? Yeah, I remember, right, in, in terms of what you're talking about, 52 VPs, right? I remember way back when, when I moved to level 64. It was in the 90s, though. And I protested. I was upset with my manager around the idea that he was going to promote me to level 64. Nowadays, level 64 is sort of the top end of our senior right. band. Same as when I was uh, there. But but I protested it because I, I was like, I went to, I had gone to career. And when I got promoted to that level, I went and looked at career. Career is the internal job site for you know, tra- translation. Right. Thank you. And at that time, there were only five openings at level 64 in the company. Notice I did not say test or dev or PM. It's because that was not part of the filter. There were five openings. And I'm like, I don't know what you're promoting into me. My point is, is back then the level 64 bar is kind of very similar to the bar today, except I'm several levels higher now and a principal title. It's... There's a sort of, um, I don't know what to call it, dilution 
I don't know. Maybe I'm, it's just old. Yes, true. I don't, uh, right? It, back in the day, right? Back in back in those days, right? We were also a much smaller company, right? So yeah, interesting. Quick, quick plug. If you want to translate those weird Microsoft levels, uh, there's a story behind why they're such high numbers. We we had a previous leveling system in the old days, actually very similar to a lot of other companies as far as numbers go. But uh, yeah. they wanted a new leveling system to break them out a little bit farther and to make sure there was no confusion. They made the numbers significantly higher. So like an entry level uh, engineer out of college is like a 59. Bill was like an 82. It, it, anyway, yeah, levels no. FYI, I would go there to compare those with companies where you are, companies where you know, because it, it's, it, it is kind of confusing company to company knowing uh, like those Microsoft numbers sound weird. But the thing is around the VP thing, right? Getting to level 70 is automatically VP. At Microsoft, yes. So we we apparently have grown as a company because, you know, Microsoft still is very cognizant of, of payroll budget, particularly at the mm-hmm. high levels. So uh, my current operating belief is that we have still... That we have grown uh, so much that we are quite confident at being able to support that. There's degrees of the 500 plus VPs at Microsoft, and 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 I don't actually know the number, but you know, our our good friend James Whitaker used to say that anybody at those levels, any one of our senior level people, because we, I'm, I know it's better now, because you tell me it's better, and other people I talk to who I trust more and like more tell me it's better and becoming more fair there. But as you know, when I was there, one of the things that drove me out was I was just tired of dealing with the executive egos and suck uppery between a lot of those folks. I just in the last couple of weeks encountered, encountered the old school. Uh, yeah, BS. It'll, it'll happen. But the one thing I like that, that to finish my story here uh, that Whitaker used to say was, that everybody at those senior levels and above should like every year, every two years should have to interview for and get accepted to another job. Cause his, his big premise was those folks had been Peter principled up and could not get a similar level job anywhere else in the industry. They were only that level cause they were at Microsoft because they talked to the right people. I'm not sure if that's a great idea because if you make people, that's, that's a weird thing to do. Like, are you one of those Microsoft people just trying to prove your worth? Uh, but the conceptually though, he was right. There was, there were people in those roles that my dog is really sad because I didn't feed her dinner before, um, before our podcast. So I, I, I definitely like the, I mean, we both know James, right? He, he adores hyperbole. I, know, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, James without hyperbole would just not be James. I, I went and saw his history of beer talk at his, um, uh, one of his breweries he brewery? or runs. Yeah. Or is this actually not a brewery? It's a beer shop. They take a lot. It's a really cool idea in Kirkland. They have a lot of beers that are uh, just made by small places, but they, they feature them there. And there, I had two different ones and they're both freaking excellent. It was very good. Okay. We so, almost, we almost did a team event this week there, but we chose to oh, go cool. to a Thai place and stuff. If you ever decide to take your team to Capitol Hill for ax throwing, that's like five, five, 10 minute walk from my house. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna kind of wait for the uh, the fad to end on yeah. that one. Yeah. Uh, anyway, what I was gonna say is, you know, I don't know, I don't know that I like 
like obviously James's stuff is hyperbole, but the spirit behind what he was saying is, yeah, there is a tendency for Peter principle. I do think there needs to be a incentive, right? People at that level, in some regards, we don't want to lose, right? Because they have the knowledge uh, and the experience to really drive things forward. But we also want to make sure that they are using it and providing ROI back to the business constantly. I don't know that... They have, I think we talked about this in podcast before, uh, Peter Principle has absolutely been proven to be a thing. I think it was uh, one of the Nobel Prize winners, I think, from 2010. That was one of their things, is that they proved Peter Principle is absolutely a thing. But most companies have not found a way to deal with it. Right, it's it's well, no. Let's rapid. Let's rapidly promote them until they're useless, and let's get rid of them and abandon all of the knowledge, all of the experience that they that they can bring to bear. No, let let's let's not let's figure out a different way to not throw the baby out. Actually, give Microsoft some credit here. They're actually better than any company I know at dealing with this at some level because they're the only company I know is once you get to partner level at Microsoft sixty eight, it is not a permanent promotion. I know a good number of people who have made it to that level and then been dropped back, dropped back down a level because either they weren't performing or there was no business need for them to be at that level. It's only at a very, very senior level, but I don't think you can get away with that at like, I guess, I guess at what point are you petered? You know, level wise is one thing to figure out, then figure out what to do with it. I think, yeah, that's well, a tough and one. The other, the other thing too that I kind of I kind of honestly think about is that there needs to be more holistic analysis of these folks. Yeah, if you if you've petered, and it's interesting to turn it into a verb, but if you petered, why isn't it a common practice to then move you back down a level where you were thriving? That that I, I never quite understood that philosophy. Like, okay, let's let's, let's promote them up because we think they're going to rock star there. Oh, we were wrong. Let's put them back. But think about the person. That that's not an not always an easy thing to do. Think about if you're promoted to level X plus one, and you go, yes, yeah, I think- yes, I got promoted. And six months later, a year later, you go, you know what? We're going to put you back down a level. Do you take I do think- you take pay away when you do that? I think you would have to. Yeah, that that's a tough pill to sell. Well, no, and I think it's a yeah. I think it's a tough pill to sell right now because it's rare. Right? And it would be, be viewed as 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 punitive. Yeah. Right. So I think I think if we found a way to do it in such that it was commonplace, right, people um, people do still have the ability to create predictable lives. Like if you if you get promoted, and, and this is hyperbole, but let's say you make 50K a year, and then suddenly you get promoted to something where you're making 500K a year. And, you know, how much time does it take for you to get used to that, to spending that, that level? And if you were to lose that, right, because... I don't know that I've seen so many people go, well, I'm 
super rich right now, and now I'm going to go buy a $50 million mansion, and then, you know, the whole thing falls apart. Yeah, I don't know. I think if it were more commonplace and everyone knew that, yeah, there was a business practice where you you could end up going back down a level and with very little friction, I would love to see what how that changes people's behavior. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I, I would love to hear from listeners. I don't think anyone's going to like that idea. I will tell you if it's like for me personally, if it's a choice between uh, a layoff or a down level, I'll take a down level 100% of the time. Yeah, I think in this market, especially, I think in a different right. market, maybe not. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if I like that, Brent. I still think even in a different market, I would take the down level and then I would go and explore my opportunities in the open market. I I always prefer my employment choices to be in my hands and not my company's. Yeah, I got to think about that one. What does ChatGPT say about that? I no longer have... Oh, no, I do have it up. Sorry. What's your question? I don't have a question. Okay. What? And I, I, said, How I said I didn't have a question. smart is Brent? That's kind of what you... That's in summary... Uh, <laughs> uh, not very smart because it decided that what Brent meant was Brent crude oil. Yeah. Uh, and, and speaking of, of Brent, I did something this last couple of weeks and I'm about to do it again. Actually, I'm, I'm already starting it again. Uh, I think you did this a long time ago. Um, I finished the Phoenix Project on Audible. Oh my God! So you know you know all about Brent now. I do, right? It, 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 every time the leader is like, "Well, what's causing the project to to Brent?" Right? I, I cringe every time. But the other issue is with the. So you you've read the story or, or Audible? I don't know. I, I, I feel I've, like I've, I've read it a couple times. Okay, I'm going through my second time. Um, and I will say, I don't know, I don't know why when it came out on the podcast, you didn't, you didn't look at me straight in the eyes and say, what you, Brent, you, I, I, I have teased you about being a Brent. Uh, uh, I am not. For those that haven't hero. read the Phoenix project, the protagonist, like not the protagonist, maybe he is a protagonist, but the. But the bottleneck in the system, the thing that everything has to go through that makes the book, it's kind of the cornerstone of the book, is this buffoon named Brent. He's, no, okay. He's not a buffoon. Stop. He's, just, he's, he's an owner. He's in charge of everything. He owns everything. All decisions have to go through him. And he's super stressed because he owns everything. No. No, no, no. You're yeah, talking yeah, about yeah, yeah, Bill. Yeah. Brent is the IC who is the hero of the organization. But who's, I thought, I thought Brent was the... Are we, are we, no, we Brent, have two different views of the same person? Who's the bottleneck guy? Brent is the bottleneck guy, but he's, he's literally the only one who knows everything. Yeah. But he's an individual contributor. And right, I, and I, I think problem, we're just, we're, we're interpreting his role in the story in two different ways. No, but he wasn't, he wasn't one of the leaders. The leader was Bill. No, okay. Are you going to blame anyway. leadership or what? Anyway, go on. What's, what's your story? Everyone no, go, no, no. go, so, go read so, the Phoenix project. So Brent 
was trying to Brent is 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 one of those people who knows everything, cares about the business, tries his best, and gets interrupted a lot because he is the bottleneck. He's the only one that knows a lot of this stuff, or even, or in some regards, uh, he may not be the only one that knows, but he's the fastest at it. And so Brent gets dedicated to these really important strategic projects, but he's also the, the one that gets the most interrupted. And so he's talked about a lot of leadership as, in terms of dropping the ball. And um, leadership has to constantly, def- uh, you know, his leadership has to constantly defend him because, like, no, you guys are keep interrupting him. Um, but then it does come down to the fact that it's really... The problem doesn't isn't having to do with Brent. Brent's just trying to keep his head above water. The, the issue is that leadership has not um, created a process to scale knowledge work, which is something we've talked about a bajillion times here. But I gotta say, I went through went through it once, I'm going through it again, and I'm just like, yeah, this. This like there's a character in the book called Eric, and Eric is like the sage Kanban distributor, but he hasn't really let them know that that's what he's doing. Dude, I want to take Eric out to dinner, buy him drinks. Like I, I'm just like this guy. Actually, you know what? I wonder if they made the character Eric after Eric Reese. Anyway, I've listened <laughs> it once. I'm already going through it the second time. I am finding it still very relevant, right? As you know, I've been certified as an entrecoast forever, but... So did, did you ever read The Goal? Uh, that is on that is the next one up on my list, and, and it came straight from The Phoenix Project. Right, because The Phoenix Project is just a mod... It's a rewrite of The Goal. It's not only... It's not just a... They themed it off, the, off of The Goal, but they also brought in other, other principles. Um... I have also downloaded the Unicorn Project. I have not uh, started you that one yet. You are so I've chosen... far behind. I, I need you need to join a book club or something and get caught up. How do you even function in the world without having read the classics of software development? I don't have time to read, but you know what? I'm on Audible now, and uh, I don't know that I'll ever abandon that subscription. Um, yeah, I am just I, finally. I got a brand new book. Something I'm really passionate about. Boring. Building like, evolutionary architectures by boring McBoreface. <laughs> and I'm like, how am I ever going to get through this? So I am finally getting caught up on podcasts. So I, I, I don't know that I'll do audible books. I like to listen to podcasts and read books. I need something something besides alcohol to put me to sleep at night. Uh, you could just listen to our podcast. Maybe. Especially this one as I, after I stitch it together. I don't know if you ever listened. You used to listen to our podcast after I published them. I don't know if you do anymore, but I, I do magic. You would even recognize what I I do listen a, a, to as the conversation we had. Yeah. Now, I, 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 I will say I'm not as consistent, but the, the ones where I know, okay, that one was really effed up. Let's see how Alan handles it. Or the ones where, honestly, I'm, I'm concerned. I, like, I, I briefly forgot that Alan records everything and this could show up in the bloopers. Uh, <laughs> so sometimes I put bloopers after the, uh, after the end. Uh, so one last thing before we go here, uh, as I mentioned in the last podcast, in my little overdub, 
Zencaster, who I don't even know what it is. I, I can't remember what the, what they make, but it did very badly for us. Lost a big chunk of our audio. So we're not using that anymore, but I do want to have Jason back on sometime and finish that conversation. There's some more we can talk about. It's uh, very much fits in in the AI testing podcast, but also we are looking at we, meaning me, because I'm the pr- producer editor of this podcast, uh, other guests, yep. other guests we can have on. So if you have suggestions, please let us know. We still got to get Nicole Forsgren on. Oh, right. There's a couple other people I'd love to have on, um, but we'll, f- we'll figure it out later. I want to throw any names out here. So if you have suggestions, let us know. We are counting let's down. Let's see if we can get Jason. Let's see if we can get Jason quickly. Because one of the things, the way we ended it, I would really love to hear him talk about AI and ethics. Yeah. I'd love Let's have to hear an more AI on. and ethics discussion because we've talked about it a little bit. I'd like to hear where he's at on that. I think there's a lot to do there. And then we'll get that going. We'll we'll get that hooked up here. We are counting down to episode 200. This is episode 189. We're going to get there sometime in the new year. I believe it. Yes, it's 189. Brent, Brent gave me a look like you can't count. Uh, I did just look on Apple Podcasts to see to double check the number. And I, I do see that we have, uh, we're up to 24 ratings with a 4.8. I'm not sure who didn't give us five, but whatever. So on it, Apple? Yeah, it's a lot of the three logging in multiple times. Oh, it looks like uh, one or two people gave us a one star. We have all five star or one star ratings. So oh. <laughs> Nice. Are the comments on the one star? No, probably not. We just have the three with words. So anyway, if you please give us go to Apple uh, podcast at Apple.com. Give us any rating you want. But especially if you're a one star, tell us why. And we will make sure we do more of that. Yeah. If it's something like, uh, oh, these guys are completely wrong. Yeah, we're, we're dumb yeah. because we care about quality and not over testing. Yeah, that's. All right. Well, let's, okay. let's call that a day. Uh, what again? Episode 189. My dog is crying. I'm going to go feed her. I'm Alan. I'm Brent. And Brent's typing while he talks. And we'll see you next time. Watch